Hello everyone, it's good to be with you this morning. I hope you're doing well during this uh, time of COVID. Uh, we're certainly going through it here in Sydney, and uh, but I trust you're doing okay and that uh, your health is uh, holding up okay. I know that I've had my struggles with health this week with uh, a flu and going and getting a COVID injection and just taking buckets, buckets of uh, bucketfuls of vitamin C and lots of codral tablets. And uh, I didn't think I'd actually be able to record this, but um, uh, I've come good. So, well, I'm not sure I'm that good, but uh, I'm going to just bring you this teaching because we're studying the book of Ephesians. And I think there's a word from the Lord for you. There's a word of encouragement for you. And uh, I hope that you will be inspired by what Paul has to say about the armor of God this week. Can I remind us of where we've been uh, in, in our study so far? Because last week we were introducing the subject of warfare and we saw that all of us are involved in a spiritual battle. Jesus told his disciples, deliver us from evil, you know, and uh, he's, he, in that prayer, you know, I often think about it that why would the master say, Pray this way, deliver us from evil. Well, he knew that we needed deliverance from the enemy. And sometimes we might need strong deliverance ministry. Uh, sometimes we need Christian friends to help us get free from demonic oppression. In my experience, there seem to be seasons of deliverance when demons are manifesting and uh, we, we see so much happening in uh, church services and in um, prayer meetings. And there are other seasons where there's not so much happening or it's behind the scenes. And I know that uh, we went through a season in my previous uh, church where uh, for about 18 months, we just saw people being delivered almost every day uh, from the power of evil spirits. And it was kind of strong deliverance. In my work overseas uh, as a part-time missionary, uh, we have also seen great seasons of deliverance and um, there have been meetings overseas that uh, I could hardly describe. You know, I'd be teaching in a Bible school or a theological college or a pastor's conference and <clears throat> uh, suddenly someone would begin to manifest in all kinds of ways. Uh, and uh, next thing we were praying for them and we'd try to set them free in Jesus' name. And that process is normally pretty pretty neat, you know. Um, we would just help people uh, confess afresh their allegiance to Christ. Then we would ask them if they needed to repent of anything, any sin that was in their life. We would also ask them if there are any doors that they needed to close, that like they'd open to the enemy's attacks. And uh, then we would just command the demons to leave. And uh, we saw so many people come into freedom. And I remember uh, at the beginning of one conference in Indonesia where there was a girl and her face was just tormented at the beginning of the conference. And we went through a, a very strong time of deliverance with her and I saw a photo of her after the conference and it was she was just transformed. The peace of God had come and she'd come into freedom. So there are these times of strong deliverance, uh, but there are also times, you know, when uh, much of our spiritual warfare 
is really facing temptations from the enemy and attacks on our hearts and our minds. And that's probably the strongest area of warfare that most of us will engage in. But it's real and you better get ready for it because it's the, uh, it's the lifestyle for every believer in Christ that will face such a battle. And last week we saw that it was crucial that we know our authority and our position in Christ. The essence of warfare is what we think about and what we say about Jesus. And if the enemy can undermine you, uh, undermine your thinking about Jesus, that he isn't true, that his love isn't real, that the cross didn't happen or that, you know, you're, you're not forgiven. If he can distort your thinking, he gains a foothold. So abiding in Christ and knowing our position in Christ, understanding the gospel of Christ, all determine my vulnerability and your vulnerability to spiritual attacks and all the traps that the enemy sets. I also want to say that it's important to not let spiritual warfare be the focus. I know when we first came into deliverance ministry, it was in 1986, and we were so focused on it for about a year and a half. And it's it's like Jesus just took us to school and trained us from, you know, from kindergarten deliverance all the way through to advanced deliverance. And um, we we just learned so much ministering to hundreds of people. But, you know, that's not to be the focus. There might be a time of learning. The focus and our, our great love must be Jesus. It must be the cross. It must be the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus. And it must be on uh, where we are seated positionally in him and with him in the heavenlies, as Paul teaches in Ephesians. That's the best way to prepare yourself for combat with the enemy to know who you are in Christ, to be abiding in Christ, to be walking in Christ, to be clothed in Christ, to be transformed by Christ. So we don't want to get really caught up with all kinds of theories about demons, about principalities and powers and darkness and witchcraft and the occult. These are all real and they are all a threat, but they should never be our focus ever. Our focus is Christ. Him crucified, risen again, ascended to the right hand of the Father and our position in him. So with this in mind, we need to take our stand against the enemy's attacks. And Paul says, take your stand, take your stand. But before we look at how we take our stand with the armor of God, two other points that I want to make in passing as someone who's Sort of been involved in a lot of spiritual warfare and has had a lot of attacks personally, but also been involved in uh, helping a lot of people get free. You know, the first thing I want you to just keep in mind before we look at the armor is some people think that spiritual warfare is just something that happens in other other countries, other developing nations. They think maybe that they're immune to spiritual warfare because they're sophisticated and they live in the West or something like that that spiritual warfare is something that others might have to grapple with. But then I watch so many people get taken out of the battle here in Australia. They fall away from their first love for Christ or they fall into some habitual sin problem and it destroys their testimony. And Paul says in Corinthians, 
If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful that you don't fall. So it really is so impo- important for all of us to be equipped and to take our stand because, you know, none of us are invulnerable to the enemy's attacks. And then secondly, when doing spiritual warfare, I think it's important and helpful to keep Psalm 91 in mind. Psalm 91 is part of a prayer routine that I'm involved in, and I was meditating on this psalm earlier this week. And verse 1 of Psalm 91, many of you will know it so well, says, whoever dwells, and you can just meditate on that word dwell, that means abides, it means there is a safe place, there's if you will, a a secret place in God, in the shelter of the Most High. If we abide in that safe place, that secret place under his wings, in the shadow of the Almighty, no weapon that's formed against us can prosper. And verse 2, he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He's my God in whom I trust. And verse 3, surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. The word snare is interesting. It means a trap. And the fowler was someone who was an expert uh, bird catcher. And he would create lures and uh, would try to attract very valuable birds that he could sell. And the fowler was an expert in that he knew the appetite, the weaknesses, the needs of the birds he was trying to trap. And it really spoke to me about spiritual warfare. You know, the enemy wants to trap us and he knows our weakness, he knows our needs, he knows our appetites and he just targets in on that. And he tries to come in like a flood and to rob and to steal and to bind and destroy. And it doesn't matter how old you are, or how young you are, there are different seasons, different traps, different attacks, and there are these things that come, you know, the enemy uses to tempt us. You know, think about, you know, uh, the enemy coming to Jesus with strategic temptations in the desert. Think about Peter being sifted, you know, and tempted. Think about James and John tempted over power and position that they were grappling for. All kinds of temptations. And in your life today, there will be temptations and snares set by the enemy. Temptations to believe that you're not okay and that, you know, you're, you're, you're someone who needs to live in shame and condemnation. Or temptations to walk away from your marriage temptations to lust, temptations to judge others, the great temptations of pride and self-promotion. Thank you, social media. Temptations to justify the sin that so horribly harms us and others. And even the temptation to believe your life is over. And we see it sometimes, you know, even with our children, when we see the enemy set snares for our children or for our loved ones, for our family, deadly traps. And sometimes we see things and we can even despair when we see the enemy setting these traps and maybe our children are turning away from us or playing with things that will only harm them. And that we know that the enemy wants to then come to us and rob us of the promises of God 
And he wants to neutralize us as kingdom people who pray and who believe and who do warfare and who do battle. He wants to take out God's promises from our hearts and our minds. Now, I want to say to you today that when the enemy attacks and you're under temptation, no matter what that is, don't give up. The Lord is with you. Don't start questioning everything. The Lord is with you. Don't just give in to the enemy's plan, for the Lord is with you. And don't turn away from God, for the Lord is with you. Instead, friends, put on the full armor of God that you can take your stand. So we turn to Ephesians 6 and 12 through 17. We read these verses last week and I encourage you to open your scriptures if you're at home there and just to follow the text. Paul says, stand your ground, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's a fundamental key to spiritual warfare. Yeah, that's just so important. Everything Paul says about the armor of God summed up in one sentence. Be strong in who? In the Lord. And in what? And in his mighty power. Everything we find in the armor of God has to do with abiding in Christ and knowing his power and walking in the truth of the gospel. We can walk in victory as we depend on God and on his mighty power. And, you know, we cannot wage any kind of warfare without being led by the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. And so to be strong in his mighty power means that infilling, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, you'll recall Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and then leads him into battle in the wilderness. And the Bible says he went into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit and came out later after the testing by the power of the Spirit. And then we find him teaching and preaching. And he's saying, oh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim uh, freedom for captives and to set the oppressed free, filled with the Holy Spirit. And this teaches me that, you know, for me to do battle, it's never going to be by my strength. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. It's about being dependent on the Holy Spirit. And when we're like this, the devil has no power to do anything. He can threaten, he can lie, but he cannot hurt us. Now, when we look at the various pieces of armor, we need to be careful not to push these pictures too far. There's all kinds of teaching on this where people make much of the different pieces of armor and, uh, and I understand that. But I think central to putting on the armor is the Bible says we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, that's the central part of Christian armor, central aspect. When you put on Christ, you allow the Holy Spirit to saturate you in who Jesus is and what he's done. So with that in mind, let's look at the, these aspects of the armor. I'm just going to skip across these pretty quickly, and then we're going to have a time of prayer, and we'll close. So first of all, he says, put on the belt of truth. The enemy is a slanderer and a liar by his very nature. And he will attack your beliefs. He will try to undermine your faith and trust in God. 
His major weapon is deception, deception, deception. And when he's come into my life where I've, I've been through about four or five, what I would call severe testings, he always comes in with deception. And if he can tempt us into believing we, we are not who God says we are, then he takes the advantage. He takes some ground. He gets a foothold. But as long as we know who we are in Christ, the devil can do very little. This doesn't mean we will not face challenges in life. There are so many difficulties, whether it's COVID and whether it's getting sick and so many things. It doesn't mean that we won't have challenges, but it means these things will not defeat us. If we allow the Holy Spirit to remind us constantly of our position in Jesus, then we're protected from the slander and the lies of the enemy. And then the second piece of armor, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. To know you are righteous in Christ is so important. You are forgiven by God's grace. You belong to Christ. It wasn't anything you deserved or earned. It was a, a gift from beginning to end to your life. Now, the enemy might come in and tempt you to believe you are worthless, that you are not performing well enough. And when you sin, to try to make you believe that you're just a hopeless failure, he will try to bind you into shame. But when we live in the certain knowledge, the certain knowledge that the righteousness of Christ has been given to us, that we are clothed in that righteousness, that we belong to him and we are in him, we, we, then we, we bring to Christ all our failures, all our sins, our brokenness, and we confess that we cannot make ourselves new. We can't change ourselves. We place ourselves at his feet and he gives us his forgiveness and his righteousness. He places us in Christ and he makes us new. So knowing that we are righteous in Christ and always returning to that is so important in battle. And then there are feet that need to be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This suggests, doesn't it, when we talk about the shoes uh, ready for battle, it, it, it's really being prepared for war. A soldier would never go into battle without, without footwear. One Bible version puts it this way. Put shoes on your feet so that you are ready to spread the good news of peace. And in the context, I think it means this, and I would highlight this. It means living in the truth of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of how Jesus became king. The gospel is the announcement that, that God's kingdom has come in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. The gospel is the good news story of how Jesus the Messiah came to earth, died for our sins, was buried, rose again from the dead, defeated his enemies, and now reigns as the king of the entire world. And he calls us to repent, to give our lives to him, to follow him, and to put on Christ. So the nature of spiritual warfare is allowing the Spirit of God to convince us that we are new creations in Christ, and he is king over all. That God is with us and he can keep us. He can protect us. And he's at work today, changing our lives. He's at work in our families. He's at work in our loved ones. You know, and he's bringing peace.
the gospel of peace, peace between each other and, of course, peace between man and God, woman and God. Now, we're also encouraged, another piece of armour, to take up the shield of faith. And Paul speaks of flaming arrows that might come at us. And we know that Roman soldiers had uh, these shields that were constructed from leather, and they would soak the leather in water so that when the arrows came, the fiery arrows from the enemy, they'd be extinguished and uh, the soldier wouldn't suffer any harm. And it's true to say that the enemy attacks us with fiery darts, temptations, these little arrows, flaming arrows. And we, as we put our trust in Christ, as we abide in Christ, as we put on Christ, we have a shield of faith that extinguishes the flaming arrows and attacks of the enemy. So we every day need to be reminded that we are in Christ, abiding in Christ. We are putting on Christ by faith. And then there's the helmet of salvation. Uh, in Ephesians, the helmet of salvation refers mainly to our experience of being saved by the grace of God through faith. But the helmet of salvation has to do once again with all that Christ has done, imparted into your life and for you to walk in that and to live in that with confidence so that the enemy has no ground to attack. There's no room for that. And then there's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 talk compares the word of God to a sword because it's sharp. It's able to, <coughs> pardon me, to pierce our mind and heart. Now, the sword is the word of God. But remember, in the time of Paul, um, they didn't have the New Testament. They were referring to the Old Testament. And that's what Jesus used in his temptation in the desert. But it also refers to the living word, doesn't it? It refers to the gospel. Jesus is the living word. So, you know, when we're walking in Christ, the sword of the spirit really is wielding the word of God, the truth of who we are in Christ, the truth of the gospel, and repelling the enemy's attacks. Lastly, and just briefly, I'm going to add another dimension to the armor of God. I'm going to add prayer because I think it's fun, fundamental and foundational to warfare. I know the times when I've suffered attacks where I haven't overcome quickly uh, the attack of the enemy. It's been because I've not been spending that time in prayer and in meditating on the word of God. You remember when Jesus came down, from the Mount of Transfiguration. There was a young child that was being tormented and was being thrown into fire and water. The devil was trying to kill this young child and Jesus speaks, he just speaks a word. And there's healing instantly and deliverance with great freedom. And the disciples were scratching their heads and they're asking, well, why couldn't we cast out this demon? What's up with this? And they began to understand slowly that prayer is crucial to spiritual warfare. The disciples needed to learn about communion with God. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration had spent an intimate communion time uh, with the Father. And, you know, when he went out into the desert, there was that time where he was going in the spirit and he went in prayer. And we need to also 
when we are faced with the enemy and to prepare us actually to be faced with the enemy, we need to pray. The spiritual battle is usually won in your prayer closet, your prayer room in the morning at the beginning of every day. That's where the battle's won. It's not one when the enemy attacks. It's one when you prepare your heart and your mind by meditating on the word of God, by spending that time in prayer, by listening to what the spirit is saying, by finding your anchor afresh in Christ, by putting on Christ, being conformed to the image of Christ in your life, in prayer and in the word of God. That's where it happens. But a lot of us, if we've been Christians for any amount of time, you know, we think we've already been there and done that. We think we've got it all sorted. We don't need to spend that daily time in prayer and in the word. Well, we do, you know, I think we're very vulnerable when we don't do that. Prayer is a foundational spiritual warfare tool. So can I encourage you? Spend that time every morning communing with Christ and I believe you'll be able to win every every victory over the enemy. So in concluding, before we pray, it's important to recognize that the whole armor of God is a picture of Christ. Christ is the truth. He's our righteousness. Uh, he is our peace. His faithfulness makes possible our faith. He is our salvation. He's the word of God. And this means that, you know, we need to walk in Christ, put on Christ, be clothed in Christ day by day. And as we do that, this is the armor of God that will give us the victory over every attack of the enemy. No attack of the enemy will be able to succeed. So may God bless you in your warfare. May God bless you this week as you battle the enemy. And uh, I want to pray for you that you know you will know this victory so i want to pray two prayers firstly i'll just pray for us generally uh, for people who might be under attack and if you feel like you're under some level of attack and it's kind of getting too hard for you contact the church and somebody will surely be available to pray for you but right now let me pray father i pray for anybody uh, just listening and watching uh, this message who was under some kind of assault or an attack uh, from the enemy. Oh God, give them your mercy and your grace. I pray that you will help them stand firm in Christ, that every attack of the enemy will just fall to the ground, null and void. And Father, they will be preserved and kept in your righteousness, in your salvation, in the gospel, in Jesus himself. And we just confess afresh our allegiance to Christ this day, that we follow him as our king, as the king of the cosmos. And we give ourselves to being conformed into the likeness of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And finally, one prayer that <clears throat> I pray in my devotions each morning. Oh, Father, deliver us from the Satan. <clears throat> the accuser, our adversary, so no weapon formed against us will prosper, so that every tongue that rises against us in judgment you will silence, and every fiery dart of the wicked one is extinguished by the shield of faith, so that as we submit to you and resist the devil, the devil is forced to flee, and as we draw near to Jesus Christ lifted up, his cross becomes for us the axis of love, expressed in forgiveness that transforms the world. And the Satan, 
who led humanity into rivalry, accusation, violence, domination, war, empire, and all manner of sins. That Satan is driven out from among us. O oh God of peace, crush Satan under our feet. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Amen.